Gracious God, you've promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire. It will succeed in the matter for which you've sent it. And may your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So, uh, your sermon outline is on page 11 and page 10. The gospel lesson for this morning, John the Baptist, we go through this every year uh, in one gospel or another, the hard words of John. Let's take a look. Beginning at verse 1, Matthew chapter 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Verse 2, repent, repent simply means stop being snakes and become sheep. And why should we repent? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And read that to mean the law part of the kingdom, the judgment part of the kingdom, has arrived. It's arrived in John. In Roman numeral 1 in your sermon outline, when we do not repent so that the kingdom will come. We repent because the kingdom is coming. The wrath of God is coming. You know, when I call up people for an appointment, I'll, I'm very timid about it, you know. And uh, they'll answer, uh, you'll answer, and I'll say something like, uh, am I calling at a bad time? I mean, because if I am, I can always call back later. But that's not God. No, God's not timid. He simply intervenes. He interrupts. He just drops himself in the middle of your day, in the middle of your life. He doesn't ask permission. His mission is that urgent. And it's like this throughout Scripture. In Genesis 12, he says to Abraham, I mean, after 75 years of silence, Abraham's now 75 years old. He's never heard God speak, but suddenly... God says, leave your country, leave your kindred, leave your father's house, and go to the land I'll show you. That's an intervention. Now Jesus appears to Paul on the Damascus Road. He interrupts Paul's work. That's an intervention. Now he walks by the Sea of Galilee, and there's Peter and Andrew, James and John fishing, and all of a sudden they're not. That's the Lord. He doesn't ask permission. He intervenes. Verse 2. This is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Letter A, salvation is not your going up to heaven. It's God coming down to earth. Christian salvation is not an escape from this world, though it's sometimes sold that way. It is God coming into this world to suffer and to die and to rise and to ascend and to return. It is God coming into this world to be at one with humanity. 
That's our God. Our sin will not turn him away. Our sin is what, that is the business he will deal with. Verse 4. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. It's reminiscent of Elijah, the prophet from the Old Testament. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region of the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. Notice this. Confessing their sins. Publicly admitting what they had done wrong. They're not blaming others for their failures. They're not making excuses for themselves. They're not signaling their own virtue. They're not claiming to be victims. They're not justifying themselves. They're confessing their sins, not their neighbor's sins, but their own sins. They're confessing. How weird is that? But it's a good kind of weird. When was the last time you heard anyone publicly acknowledge their mistake? It's kind of rare, okay? I mean, it's rare in my life. I haven't witnessed it a whole lot. I'm reluctant to do it. But the Lord calls us to do it. So, letter B, the remedy for sin is not to deny it or blame others for it or make excuses or so on and so forth, but to publicly admit it, to openly acknowledge it. That's the remedy for sin. You know, someone said, sin is remitted when sin is admitted. When it's admitted under the cross. When it's admitted in Christ. And by the way, that's the only uh, grounds on which I can admit my sin. (laughs) Is to know that there's forgiveness. And there is. For you, for me, for all. Roman numeral 2, even God's people need conversion. That may come as a shock, but it shouldn't. Even God's people need conversion. Verse 5, then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. Peter writes in his first letter, it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who disobey the gospel, the good news? Letter A. Those who assume that they cannot fall away must be reminded that they can. And maybe have. St. Paul wrote, let every man who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. St. Paul wrote, Some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander. It happens. The seed that falls along the rocky soil 
It springs up. They believe for a while. Then the sun beats down, the going gets rough, they wither and they die. It happens. It happens. Those who assume they cannot fall away are like those in our gospel lesson who would say, I have Abraham as my father. We have Abraham as our father. It's the equivalent of someone saying, I have Jesus as my Savior. Therefore, I can eat, drink, and be merry. I have Jesus as my Savior. Therefore, I have a license to live as I want. I deserve it. I can stray a little. I can live for myself. Once in a while, I can do it. Well, if you think that way, I know I have, but if you think that way, John has a message for you and for me. You're thinking like a serpent, not like a sheep. John would say, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't assume that since Jesus is your Savior, you can live however you wish. If you think that your salvation in Christ gives you permission to divorce and remarry at will, if you think that your salvation in Jesus gives you permission to live together and have sex outside of marriage, if you think that your salvation in Christ gives you a pass when it comes to viewing a little pornography now and then, or to spread gossip about others, or to disrespect those whom God has placed in positions of authority over us, then John has a message for you. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and cast into the fire. Don't think your salvation in Christ gives you permission to lead a self-centered existence. It does not. God will not be mocked. Let every man who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Beware the coming wrath. It's not for nothing that God sent John to us. Letter B, those who are distressed that they've fallen away, those who are distressed that they've strayed from the path, gotten a divorce and remarried, or lived together outside of marriage, or speak evil of our leaders, and so on. Those who are distressed and troubled in their conscience over those kinds of sins, they must be reassured that Christ has not left them. Christ has not left you. You may have left him, but he's not left you. I'm reminded of what John wrote in his first letter. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and all unrighteousness. That's the gospel for us. If you sincerely regret where you've been and what you've done, praise God for that, and you should know that God's law no longer speaks to you. St. Paul wrote, The law is not made for a righteous man, but for the unrighteous. Those who willfully shake their fist in God's face, they need to hear the message of John. But if you regret what you've done, 
If you know it's wrong. And you don't make excuses for it, but you take responsibility. Because Christ has already done that for you at the cross. If that's where you are, forget the law. It's not made for you. You hear only the gospel. That word of forgiveness. That word of grace. These are two very different messages, folks. For two very different audiences. Depending on where you're at. Depending on where you're at. I'm reminded of the tax collector who beat his breast, would not even look up to heaven, and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's where we should be today and every day. And please know that you go home justified rather than those who refuse to speak that way. Letter C. God can make children from stones. That's what John said. He can make wheat from chaff and good trees from bad. And he does it every day. Jesus said in Matthew 12, Make the tree good, the fruit will be good. Make the tree bad, the fruit will be bad. Only God can make us good trees in our baptism. Through faith in Jesus, he makes us good trees. And the only thing about you that will be remembered on the day of judgment is the good that he did through you. The sins are forgotten. They're never mentioned. You can look it up in Matthew 25. Your sins are no more. Roman numeral 3. John is steering all of us away from the wrath of God. That's what he came to do. He didn't come to make us feel bad. He came to redirect our lives, to steer us away from God's wrath. Letter A, and I'm quoting Frederick Dale Bruner here, wrote a great commentary on Matthew. Divine wrath is not the irritability of God. It's, it's not God being cranky. But the love of God in friction with injustice. That's what wrath is. It's God's love meeting injustice. And letter B, God's wrath does not contradict his love. It proves it. A love which ignores injustice is not love. A love that ignores injustice is not love at all. If someone has wronged you, seriously wronged you, and if I don't care, do I love you? That's a good question. If the only way to turn you around and to turn me around is to threaten us, well, God will do it. He will do it. And if the only way to turn us around is to threaten us, only establishes how serious our condition is in the sight of God. Letter C, the Lord is not willing that any should perish. I think many of us know this verse. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. Years ago, I was, I was really privileged to be part of an intervention, an alcoholic intervention. And you probably know how that works. You know, you, you don't tell the alcoholic what's going to happen, but there's an appointment, and the person shows up, and a bunch of us are there to lovingly confront and to speak the truth 
about what's been going on and what's going to happen if there's no change. That intervention worked. I think it saved a life. Now, it was not easy. And it was not comfortable. You know, and today people feel, well, if it makes me uncomfortable, it must not be God's will. No. Read, listen to John. It wasn't easy to do that. And it didn't make any of us feel comfortable, but it saved a life. John the Baptist is God's intervention in our lives. John's words are not easy to hear, I'll grant that. His words don't make us feel comfortable, but they save lives, yours included and mine. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.